This week's podcast is brought to you by Avast, a global leader in digital security and family safety solutions for network operators and their customers. Consumers are more connected than ever. Over 66% of North American households now have at least one Internet of Things device. But whether they're using a doorbell camera, online fridge, voice-activated assistant, or even just a mobile phone and laptop, each device further exposes them to attacks on their digital security and privacy. Avast's advanced AI-driven security can be deployed at the device, router, or 5G network level to provide a comprehensive and fully converged solution powered by the world's largest consumer threat detection network. Their award-winning security solutions make it easy for consumers to manage their digital life security using just one simple interface, no matter how many devices they use. That's smart. Let Avast help you build a safer digital home for your customers. Discover more at avast.com partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot partners. Welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Phil Harvey, and I'm an editor here at Light Reading. And today I'm joined by Todd Grantham, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Plume. And this is a follow-up podcast. Uh, Todd and I talked about a month ago. Uh, we discussed what traffic patterns were changing now that everybody is working from home during the COVID-19 pandemic and how that data varied from city to city. This time around, we're going to talk about what's changing now that some cities are slowly starting to open up and people are going back to work and some restaurants are opening. It's not a complete uh, opening of the economy, I guess, but uh, there is enough of a ripple in the traffic patterns and he's noticed some differences and he also makes some predictions about what we might see next. So uh, we'll talk about work from home traffic, what's changing and what's not right after this break. Todd Grantham, CMO of Plume. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me back. Um, I am uh, great, uh, glad to follow up with you on the conversation we had on a previous podcast because we were talking about how the work from home life has changed for everyone uh, in the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Um, and this particular uh, conversation will be relevant, uh, especially to me, because we're recording this, uh, pull back the curtain a bit. We're recording this on May 1st. Um, this is the day that the uh, stay-at-home order in Texas has expired, uh, the, the statewide order. Um, and uh, restaurants and theaters and other places are starting to open up at 25%. Now, I'm not going to get into all what I think should happen or anything like that. <laughs> Suffice to say, I'm staying home all weekend. But what I am going to ask you about is uh, obviously Texas and Georgia and some other states have already started to slowly open back up. And I'm wondering, has any of that um, uh, uh, activity in the physical world started to show up in the traffic patterns that Plume has been tracking on its, uh, um, on its website? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for, uh, thanks for calling back. I mean, this is kind of the, the time that we've been waiting for. We, you know, obviously we started tracking this data back, you know, 
uh, all the way back before COVID really kind of impacted and then saw the upticks happening in mid-March, of course, when the national emergency was declared. And as you say, the stay-at-home orders really kind of kicked in and we could see that manifesting. And we wanted to keep tracking this data to see exactly as you're wondering, you know, did it start to soften? And, uh, and, and I think the real downturns, or if you will, or if the, the reductions in day-to-day usage uh, haven't really shown itself yet. Um, I expect that over the next week or two, you know, as, as you say, especially some of the states lessen their orders, we don't, uh, we're not in that situation here in the Bay Area where I'm located. Our six counties are still shelter in place through May, but other cities, I think mm-hmm. we will start to see that data uh, show itself. It is true also that we are seeing some softening. You know, there's certainly, um, you know, in particular to some of the Texas states, uh, you know, some of the cities that we're tracking in Texas uh, are softening a bit from their high points. But it, I wouldn't say it's been a wholesale change just yet. Um, they were always, uh, the Texas cities that we're tracking, they, they were always a little bit softer than some of the other cities. Um, but, uh, and they have softened a little bit more. But for the most part, uh, I think people are still respecting kind of the, you know, the general tendency that they should be working you know, mostly from home. I'm fascinated to see what happens come mid-May uh, yeah. or, or certainly mid-June. You know, I think we're really going to start to see the impacts then, I think. Yeah, I definitely want to um, uh, follow up again in June and sort of see where where things have evolved at, at that point, because then a lot more people will be, um, you know, again, barring a second you know, wave of the virus or something like that. seems like a lot more things will open up. Um, interesting to note too, that, uh, um, uh, you know, some of my colleagues have been reporting that, uh, network traffic has plateaued, uh, from the point of view of some service providers. Um, so we had the initial spike as everyone, I guess, was, um, you know, initially setting up home offices and starting to do school at home and starting to work from home and, you know, kind of conduct all their activities online. And then it plateaued. So I guess that was, uh, I'm guessing the plateau was more about uh, just a general leveling off of people finding their, their work rhythm and their school rhythm. Um, And, and what you're saying is those rhythms are still sort of happening. uh, And in some cases there's been a little bit less traffic, but not enough to really, uh, be that remarkable yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's right. I think it's kind of always resetting itself as what is the new normal, but, you know, computer usage, I think when we spoke, you know, computers usage was well up, uh, was over a hundred percent up um, during the daytime hours. It continued to ramp uh, after that time that we spoke, it, it ended up spiking almost at 200% in that Monday through Friday, 6am to 6pm. So it was significantly up ultimately, but then it has really settled in there the last, uh, you know, most of most of April, uh, settled in right around that mark. Um, we are starting to see it tail just slightly. I think entertainment as well. I mean, I, you know, I'm now just uh, editorializing here, but my my hunch is that people were very very seriously taking this in in early parts of April, and you know, their usage suggested that. And I think also there was probably an intensity with this new way that we were all working, this new um, conditions that we were working under, I think people were really taking it seriously and going heavy on, on, yeah, uh, yeah. on being there. And, and I think people have started to find the rhythm. They found ways to be efficient. They've maybe realized, okay, I can get this much done and then I can kind of go do some other things. I don't have to be hundred percent glued. Again, the number hasn't changed radically. So where it in the computer use example, 
it was in the hundred and we were seeing somewhere between 195 and 198 percent over where it was pre-COVID. It's you know this last week was at 177 percent. Mm. So again, not radically down, but definitely maybe settling in. Yeah. We had we had a similar kind of drift downwards in smartphones and even in entertainment devices, which I found kind of interesting. You know, it was at one point uh, had kind of stabilized around the 95 to 100 percent increase during the work day, which again, makes sense. Kids are at home or maybe people aren't able to do work from home. But this last week, it's been more around the 82% mark. So again, maybe hmm. people are like, okay, I've watched enough Netflix. Maybe it's time to go for a walk or <laughs> they're feeling safer getting out of the house to do, you know, run to the grocery store or do something like that. I, you know, I don't, we don't really know, but there's definitely a settling in that's happening. It's not only plateaued. I think it's actually, you know, it's settling, if you will. Yeah, you know, it's interesting too, because back when we talked, um, uh, the computer usage Monday through Friday, uh, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., at that point had only increased, I mean, it was still up way up, but it had only increased 115 or so percent. Uh, that's yeah. what I had in my notes. So it continued to ramp long after that. On the entertainment device side, I have in my notes that uh, entertainment at, the, at that same time frame, around the same, you know, around the time we talked, was uh, was up more than fifty percent, and you're saying it's it's now in the in the eighties or up eighty percent. Right. Yeah, that's and this right. is compared to pre-COVID levels, right? Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. We we went okay. back and took kind of data over the month of January and and kind of used that as the quote unquote normal baseline, and then and so yeah. this is all increases relative to that time. And so yeah, I do I do think um, since that time we talked, you know, more kids having to you know stay at home, more you know having to rely more and more on these devices. So yeah, that's true. It, it did continue to ramp after we talked, but then it, it settled in. Um, I guess, you know, our trend line started showing it settling in right around the first week of April or so. That's when it kind of started to flatten out, you know, or sec first or second week of April. So last two or three weeks here. I have a question about um, PC usage. So that was, you know, it, it stands to reason that it's up, you know, during the daytime. One of the more surprising things you pointed out uh, previously was that it was also way up Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 6 or 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. At the time, we had kind of guessed that probably households with kids, uh, school-age children especially, were waiting, uh, you know, maybe doing batching the work together and doing some office work in the late evenings, answering emails and things like that when everybody was uh, quiet and had gone to sleep. Um, has that pattern uh, changed any uh, now that uh, folks are kind of, you, you know, kind of had time to, to settle into to a rhythm? Well, uh, it, it hasn't. I mean, it's increased, I would say, um, which is maybe the sad thing. It means even, you know, the work is continuing to be done kind of in, in off hours, if you will. So we're up in the uh -huh. uh, mid 60s, 60 uh, percent range now for that computer use in those, in those 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. hours. So that shows that Sure, it certainly has not gone down. If anything, it's ever so slightly continued to drift up. Um, and and but similarly, uh, entertainment has continued to drift up. So I think you know people huh. are are genuinely kind of spending their time in the evening. So where the daytime has softened ever so slightly, the after hours and in, in both computers and entertainment have both drifted up. So entertainment devices are now up in the fifty percent range, fifty percent increase. Uh, range, which is I think higher than when we last spoke. So yeah, know, people are definitely yeah, doing is. that. No, I think we could also look at it um, 
you know, not to, to point out the obvious, but I think, you know, spring and early summer has started to come on. Certainly the Bay Area has started to get some nice weather. Yeah. I have some friends in Denver that have finally had some nice weather. And, and so I think part of it during the day, people are, are maybe using the opportunity to get outside knowing full well that, okay, I'm, I can't really go out at night, so I'm going to be working tonight or I'm going to I can watch stuff out. So I do wonder if some of the seasonality is driving the, uh, the cabin fever during the day and, uh, and they're making up for it in the evening. Oh, it's a, it's an excellent point. And, uh, I mean, the weather here, you know, I, I, and I've done this, uh, you know, as much as anybody, um, if I can borrow a few minutes during the day, I'll take the odd conference call where I know I'm just going to be, uh, mostly listening. I'll, I'll take that while I'm walking around the block in the afternoon, especially on a sunny afternoon. Um, yeah. I, I think a lot of people are also kind of, uh, you know, and this is the great thing about working from home. I've done it for more than 20 years. A lot of people are just getting used to this, but you do find that, that, uh, even though you're sort of on call during the work day, you're not actually present and accounted for as much as you would think. And so you can certainly, um, like you said, you know, move, move answering some emails to later in the evening, uh, take care of some things you need to take care of at home or, uh, or, you know, Hey, go out and prune the roses in the garden for a little yeah. bit and yeah. keep your cell phone with you. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. I mean, I think it, even the same, you know, there's some folks that work with us that they have younger kids and it's harder, yeah. you know, without daycare and things like that, it's harder for them to entertain them during the day. So even if you can yeah. get them out and, and have them burn off some energy outside, knowing full well that you'll have to catch up uh, in the evening, I, I think that's right. I think uh, flexibility ultimately is is what we're seeing and is ultimately the name of the game when you're working from home. It's like, okay, I need to, I, I know that I can be on all the times. So I need to find the times that work for me considering I still have things I have to do in my life as well. So uh, that's the, that's, I think maybe that what the trend lines are showing us is that early day was, those early days, everyone was just rushing to say, okay, I need to just be sitting in front of my machine. That's what work is. And now I think maybe they're finding right. It can be blurred in terms of the time and blurred in terms of the location even. So I think that's right. Yeah. I, I hate to be a Pollyanna about it, but it, it, I, I do hope this helps people find uh, creative solutions to uh, uh, hiring, uh, you, you know, hiring uh, the structuring their work day and so on and so forth. Um, you know, it may, may, maybe a little bit more in favor of uh, uh, the, the, the uh, always present work-life balance that uh, uh, especially people in the Bay Area talk about. <laughs> yeah, I think, and I think employers are turning onto it too. We've got a, I don't remember if we talked about it the last time, but the, we've got a program um, that we're running here at Plume where we're going to employers and saying, listen, if, if you've moved a lot of your workforce, obviously a lot of your workforce is now working from home and you know, for them to be productive, they need strong home Wi-Fi solutions. We're doing a program with them where we'll, we'll give, you know, through the employer, we'll, we'll give them a, a multi-year program for the price of, of one year that they can offer to their employees. And a lot oh. of the big companies are taking us up on that because they're investigating very seriously kind of a permanent shift. And, and instead of necessarily having people come back to the locations, I know there's a lot of talk out there about companies doing that, but even in, in our conversations with big companies promoting this program, uh, you know, three three years of plume services for the price of one. They're saying let's we want to offer that to all of our employees because frankly we're trying to move a lot of our workforce, you know, maybe to stay this way. This isn't a temporary thing. Yeah. And, uh, and and so I think you're right. I think not only are employees finding um, 
benefits or ways to work this way. I think employers are realizing it's working for them as well. Yeah, there's a, the, the, especially in areas, I mean, I, I can kind of go back to the Bay Area because I, I, you know, I used to live there 20 years ago, but even then I was priced out of the housing market. Um, yeah. and, and that certainly hasn't changed. Uh, the, the, the interesting thing about places like the Bay Area is that, uh, you know, when you find something, you know, teams of people that can work from home, it's like, boy, if you can, if you can cut down on that office real estate in the center of the city, you know, that's a, that's a huge incentive for an employer to uh, maybe rethink the way they're doing, uh, doing things. Um, yeah. uh, so I have another question about uh, the media sure. and entertainment usage uh, real quick. Sure. Um, th- we still don't have live sports. Uh, that's still in the offing. We did have the NFL draft, but, but people are, uh, uh, you know, live sports is still seems to be some ways away. Um, is it, is it odd that the data, you know, for, for streaming media and entertainment doesn't seem to be, um, uh, the date, the data usage for those devices doesn't seem to be slowing down at all, even though, um, we haven't had that, what I would expect to be, you know, a great catalyst in that direction, which would be, you know, uh, uh, you know, we, we, at this point, if things had been continuing before COVID-19, the COVID-19 pandemic, we would have had, you know, XFL football, uh, basketball playoffs, March Madness, you know, all all these um, uh, really premium sporting events leaving it, leading us into uh, the summer months. Um, it, it, I just found it interesting. I guess I don't really have a question, but I just found it interesting that, that uh, streaming around entertainment devices never really seemed to to slow down despite the lack of uh, compelling content. Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting one. Uh, I, I'm an auto racing fan myself, and it's interesting what the auto racing uh, community has done. And, and a lot of these professional series and professional racers going to uh, iRacing and, and actually having, you know, it's racing one of the few things where you could actually kind of almost yeah. have a video game, like almost mirror the real life thing. So it's a very different sport. But but I think yeah. actually your, your, your point touches on something maybe um, – uh, pretty interesting in terms of the device usage. So our entertainment category tracks set-top boxes such as Roku's or Fire Sticks. It tracks gaming consoles and it also tracks TVs, smart TVs, but only tracks the data those smart TVs are pulling via directly connecting to the internet. So in other words, if they were using okay. it to stream any of their regular cable or whatever, they, that wouldn't show up. So, so what is interesting is our entertainment device usage is showing showing steady increases. And to your point, maybe, and and we haven't looked at this data, and, and we don't we don't look at what what people are streaming, only which device they're using, um, right, right. And, and so it's possible we would have seen some kind of dip, you know, if live sports had been more of a thing right now, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know maybe this that would have pulled away from some of that traffic, but because that venue wasn't there, those connected smart TVs and and everything else is is actually getting more of the usage because. There just isn't other options, so that, that that might even be part of the explanation. You know, where they historically would have maybe popped on, um, you know, a football game or a baseball game or a you know or basketball playoffs or any of those kinds of things. Um, yeah. Now it's now it's the other stuff. Now. Um, yeah. So it's that's definitely so Netflix it, and stuff like that. We saw that in their earnings recently that they had yeah they had, um, quite you know things that just. Uh, uh, continue to ramp up for them in terms of uh, number of users, number of hours, it, it, all, all, all of that stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that's right. So again, the, you know, the question. You know, I'm certainly not a prognosticator around the the future of, of sports, but certainly uh, this has certainly opened up a lot of uh, other content channels that people are enjoying getting used to. I think, uh, and I think, you know, like I, like the racing example, I think some sports are even finding ways to adapt in this time. And um, mm-hmm. you know, the question is, you know, how how will others do that? And and then what are the access methods um, for people to get that content? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, we're we're about out of time, but was there anything else in uh, the most recent data that stood out to you that you wanted to pass along or any other, uh, uh, big, uh, uh, changes in traffic that, uh, that you noticed? Yeah. I mean, I think we talked a little bit about this and, and we, we hope to be releasing this data kind of publicly next week, but, um, the we have been watching the the network speeds the speeds that the ISPs provide and those are looking pretty stable. There's been actually some increases even in terms of them dialing up the the wick, if you will, um, over the last uh-huh. two months. We've been watching that, and then uh, the noise inside of the house has really really exploded. We're seeing, you know, as these you know kind of a, a reflection, if you will, the the backside reflection of this data that we've got available now in terms of what use is. We can actually see all of the Wi-Fi noise that's happening inside of a home um, and what's causing it. And you know, how many channel optimizations we have to do and, and band optimizations we have to do and, and the congestion and load that's happening inside of a home. And we're seeing you know, across all of those things, the optimization, the load and the congestion, we're seeing 300 plus percent increases. So there is no huh. question. It's, it's just a validation or a reconfirmation that these data that we're seeing on the front side in terms of usage is showing how complicated and and uh, and uh, disrupted the the Wi-Fi environment is. So you know, we're you know we're always working hard to make certain that the devices have the best possible experience. And thankfully, all our data is showing that that has also remained flawless. But there's no doubt the noise inside the home is is cranked up right now for sure. Yeah, yeah, lots of different devices uh, broadcasting radio signals and looking for connections and and trying not to get in one each other's way. I guess. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, so our software, which is kind of continuously optimizing how those devices perform, is 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 constantly looking for best ways to navigate that because it is a, uh, it's it's crowded and congestion out there right now. Oh yeah, and you know the, the if if you are uh, if any consumer happens to be listening to this and you're you're on the fence about buying a, a you know a smart router or something like that, definitely get one. Definitely get one where the software manages the process for you. The, the the old school way of just picking a channel and or settling on your ISP's default channel will 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 make you a sad participant in the uh, the internet <laughs> experience. <laughs> it's it's really nice when when all that stuff is happening in the background and you're completely not aware of it and your Wi-Fi just works. <laughs> yep, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah, we call ours adaptive Wi-Fi because the reality is none of this things you know none of these things stay static. You know, I mean, not only right. I mean we weren't anticipating pandemics and suddenly that creating massive disruption but you know people add new devices and neighbors move in with with their broadcasting wi-fi and it interferes with you so so adaptive wi-fi is the only way to go managed by software it's totally right all right uh todd grantham thanks so much for joining us on the light reading podcast and we will catch up in uh uh in, in a few weeks sounds great thanks for having me phil I want to thank Avast for sponsoring this week's podcast. Avast's award-winning security solutions make it easy for your customers to stay safe online using just one simple interface, no matter how many devices they use, wherever they go, and however they connect. 
Let Avast help you build a safer digital world for your customers. Learn more at avast.com slash partners. That's A-V-A-S-T dot com slash partners. That is it. That's our show. Thanks so much to Todd Grantham, CMO at Plume, for his time and insights. Thanks to our producer, Tian Fu, for making us sound good, even when we don't. Thanks to you, dear listener, because if you weren't paying attention, we wouldn't be able to get away with doing all of this at work or at home, wherever we might be. Please do tell a friend to subscribe, and thanks very much for listening to the Light Reading Podcast. Thank you.